0: Welcome back for another live uh, with the IVD Hub um, on LinkedIn. Today we are talking about design and builds, and we have um, two guests with us. Umle Ademolake, Shelly Fernando, and um, we are gonna talk about um, a little bit um, another facade of um, architecture. Um, and and see how Shelly here um, has basically um, opened doors to more than just architecture in his profession and started his own company. Um, so I'm gonna ask Adewale and then Shelly to introduce themselves so you guys get a little bit of context of uh, who they are and why they are present today. Adewale was here before, so um, probably most of you know um, who he is already, but Adewale, if you can introduce yourself, um, that would be great.
1: Yeah, so good evening everyone. Um, My name is Adewale Ademalake. This is my second time here. Um, I was firstly interviewed by Julia talking about my experiences and Um, how architects and developers can work better together and Julia was so happy with the conversation that we brought on architects to discuss and this is my third opportunity to discuss this wonderful topic so a bit about myself I'm a senior development manager um, chartered planning and development surveyor and I work on fairly large regeneration schemes Um, also I have a blog which is called A Lake Dreaming Um, I'm sure Julia can work her magic again at the bottom and that's just a bit about me so I'm I'm very interested in property development I love sharing knowledge and I'm very keen to um, hopefully connect with people if anyone has any questions about anything we discussed today so thank you uh
2: my name is uh, Shelly Fernando Uh, it's short for Shalindra but everyone calls me Shelly This is my first time here, so apology if I go wrong or if I say something or anything like that. Um, I actually knew Julia. Well, I have to put that disclaimer out there just in case. Um, I knew Julia from part two. Um, She was in the above me. And then we both went our separate ways. She went to Amsterdam and Rotterdam and developed a um, company and then I became a qualified architect and practiced for a few years and then took a bit of leap of faith and left the architectural field um, and went to a construction company, worked as a design manager and then slowly moved over to the development side and worked as a design and development manager Uh, and as of two weeks ago i've left that and started my own company 24 3 consultants um i don't know if Julia's going to do her magic oh she's done it again um that's great so yeah it. so that me. is <laughs> i've i've tried to create uh almost a turnkey company going from the development side which i'm sure adewale is more um, Than capable of explaining uh, to the architectural side, and then all the way to site and handover. Um, I'm guessing that. Great.
0: Um,
2: that's where the bridge of gap is.
0: Yeah, and and that's exactly why um, I I asked at the and Shelley to be present because we're gonna we we have seen a little bit. Um, how we can improve the relationship between architects and developers. But now we're focusing on what happens if these two worlds kind of merge together. And that's a little bit what Shelley is doing with his company. So that's why it's super interesting to know um, how Shelley sees it. Um, uh, and uh, I'm sure that uh, Adewale and I have a lot of questions uh a well do you want to kick start with some with some questions for Shelly?
1: Yes, definitely. Um so Shelly's is, is um and I um I have a question for you. So before we get into the deeper conversations around your experience, your professionalism, the first question is who is Shelly Fernando? Family background, <laughs> etc. Who
2: are you? wow deep question deep question Um, so I am Sri Lankan I was born in Sri Lanka Um, and this is where 24-3 actually came from the name Um, my parents purchased a plot of land in Sri Lanka and they designed their own house and then they also designed my dad's factory and then afterwards um, an apartment Uh, we left there in 2000 and the address there is much like in England how you have a door number plus a postcode Uh, there it's a door number over a house uh, a road number and the address of that property was 24 upon three I thought when I was doing the company that would be nice to as a homage to my parents uh, to say 24 three, which opens up the name to anything really. So it doesn't narrow it down to architecture and it doesn't narrow it down to development. It opens it to a whole variety of things. Um, So yeah, what was it? At young age, I wanted to actually be a car designer. Um, So did art, fine art, product design, Photography. I really like the creative side, um, but then someone told me, "Oh, car design is you know really hard to get into. Uh, it's not really anywhere to go." Um, but then that's where architecture came into it, and I applied. Uh, weirdly, every university I applied, I got rejected from because the day that I was putting in my predictive grades, one of my teachers um put the grade lower than what he said he was going to give me and it was too late to change it so went to all the university five choices that we had i got rejected by all of them um and on the day of clearing and the day of our results i actually got more than what he predicted me for so then i went through clearing uh, and then i rang liverpool university spoke to the tutor and I said, look, I've got these grades. Uh, I didn't get into any of my first choices. Is there any chance I can come for an interview? And he went, you don't need to come for an interview. You've got the grades to come to the university straight away. So put me through to admissions and that was it. That's where architecture started. Um, and then after I went to London, worked at London, working for uh, the underground TFL, working on Crossrail which was a different ball game altogether, Um, and then came back to Nottingham to do my part two. Stayed in Nottingham and did my part three, worked in some conservation projects, residential projects, and then moved on to construction, and here we are.
1: No, that's an amazing background, and... Um, that was funny enough going to be our second question around, tell us about the motivation behind 24 free. And I was not expecting that it had such a family link. I thought that you were you were thinking, I'll work 24 hours for three months.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but on the first question, said that someone else said, is that because we're going to work 24 hours a day for three days a week? Exactly. <laughs>
1: That's what I was thinking as well. <laughs> no, it was, uh,
2: you know, uh, it's so hard to name a company and there's quite a group of friends that I've asked and people who started companies I've gone how did you name your company what did you come up with um a really good example is um an engineer that we work closely with and I think Julia knows his Dice and I spoke to Wayne who's the director and I said Wayne how did you come up with the name Dice like wh- why didn't you name it after your last name and he said, Well, we were toying with it and then you know dice kept popping up to us and popping up to us and we just thought we'll go with that. I didn't want to name it after my last name. Um and then yeah. I was thinking, Oh, address is pretty cool. And um I can't remember if actually my mom or I asked my mom, Mom, what was the address of our home in Sri Lanka and the first home that you bought? And then she told me, I went, That's pretty cool actually, I quite like that. Uh and then I played around with writing it as letters or numbers, and then the combination of both came into it. I had to look on company house to see if it's available. um and it was so I thought, no, that that is that is that is
1: amazing. and I'm glad that 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 funny enough answered both of our first two questions. um so now am- amazing yeah. maybe yeah. we can dive in more into it. Now over to you, Julia.
0: No, I'm just saying. Like it's just funny because, well, for me the 24, I when I thought about 20, it's just like Shelley is an advocate of time management, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't see him working 24 hours. No. About architects working overtime and and never stopping. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a great. Um, it's a great name, and I love the story behind it. It's really great. Um, so we wanted to ask you also, like, who is your greatest inspiration and why, because oh, I think that's important, to really understand the context of what you've been doing. Oh, that's great- a hard question. A yeah.
2: Is that is that what you're asking, as a person, what my greatest inspiration is?
0: Um, it can be yeah. a <coughs> architect it can be a of your surrounding um someone that you know taught you a lot and that you think um might have been the reason why you're here today want to have, have teachers of university <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think that is <laughs>
2: uh, i think um see i don't i don't follow like an architect and be like oh that's the most idyllic architect that's the that's where i want to be at the end of the day um and that's not it to be honest my inspirations as cheese as it sounds has come from my parents and hence why the name 24-3 is um and then also subsequently like the the managers i've had or the um, team leaders that i've had they've all just been so supportive and been so Kind of trustworthy that you're like oh i want to be like that person i want those trades to be a good manager one day a good director one day and that's what led to it you know first even working at um like Purcell, i had two great uh, managers who became my friends at the end of it um and one of both of them started their own practices Uh, and then when even when i went on to the construction side two of my managers became my friends at the end of it because I want to learn how they manage their team and how they interact with people or even handle difficult situations. So I wouldn't say I have one person as my inspiration. It's all these collection of people um, that I've tried to take ideas of or experiences from to the person I am. And to be honest, going forward as well to the person who I'd like to be. I think we lost out the wallet. Sorry. No, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened there.
1: I'm
0: oh, you're you very colorful.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am looking very cu- colorful.
0: <laughs> it's my <laughs> um this. while you fixed it, um it's all right. Um yeah so it, it's great what you mentioned. I think anyone that is on a professional path is important to have um in a way like family that support you in in whatever you want to do and also have mentors that you can rely on to ask the right questions and be kind of vulnerable to to really like learn from it much faster um so yeah i completely it is great that you managed to find these people. And I think, you know, there is a lot of architects that are currently like in practices where um, maybe they are not completely satisfied with what they're doing. uh you, you can never be like always, um, you know, uh, doing something that you're really thrilled about. But if you start, Um, surrounding yourself with either people in the company and so on to um, really learn and really ask the right questions be put on the right project um i think that's very valuable as well
2: yeah and the other thing is it's not it's not Um, always a situation you're in like i i think i strive better when i'm throwing the deep end and when i've been given the trust by the other people to do it there are practices where you are sat there doing cad work and you know as you probably heard you become a cad monkey at the end of the day and you're just a draftsman and you don't have the opportunity to try other things or expand in another method because you're almost in that one lane and you have to do this work to achieve that thing That's Probably where I've maybe had the difference of, uh, or I've just carved my way, saying, "I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to sat, sit there just drawing up someone else's markups. Uh, I would rather just do something different or yeah. make my own yeah, but...
0: yeah, I guess. I guess it. But the, I guess it always comes from you, right? Like, hmm. At the end of the day, it's, it's your curiosity and and you wanting to know more about a certain set of skills that pushes you to do that like regardless of which company you're in i guess um i had a a, is i'm telling you this because i had a a coaching session this this week with a a girl that doing part one um and she's doing her her year experience and you know uh, she aspiration to do what she was doing so um you know definitely looking for inspiration and people uh within the company where you can ask questions is is the way to get um to to get forward and and do what you want to do ultimately um are they while was it your turn i think You're muted.
1: <laughs> so Shelly, I've got, I've got a question and it's only because of your um, very varied experience and I think is absolutely impressive. But the question I have is, I see that you have varied experiences in architecture, construction and development. Yeah, The question is, was this planned? Did you plan it from the beginning or not?
2: Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I don't, I don't, i never, never planned it. Um, to be honest, I, I was trying to, no, one's asked me that before. I was trying to figure out what I have planned and it wasn't this. Um, and sometimes it's what you plan. Isn't something you can, you can achieve because it's not to your skills because you don't know what your skills are or y- your strengths are. Um, I wouldn't stand here and say, I can design you the, you know, the most beautiful and exciting building in the world. Uh, that's probably not my skill, but my skill is probably, uh, is analyzing designs to say, can we actually achieve this and actually build this? Is this what the client wants? Or is this what the architect's just drawn because they want to get their fees in for the end of the month? That's probably where my skill is. and then. As Julia said, is that time management and the project management of saying, well, we need to achieve it to this. What can we do in hindsight rather than last minute to achieve that goal? Um I think to be honest, Adwale, I, I didn't I don't I don't know what I planned to do a few years ago, and I, I still don't know what my plan is going forward. But it's a bit more clearer now that I know what my strengths and my weaknesses are that I can plan for the future. So I, I've got something in my head, um, which I would like to do, but things change and I'm more flexible into adjusting on how the company grows, uh, who joins and what paths it might take.
1: Now that is, that is amazing. And um, I can see that uh, coming from be, wanting to be a car designer, if you remember all those years ago, to now transitioning towards, um, architecture and then for you to come back and say that um, I can see that you're a chartered builder as well as a qualified architect um, some people in their careers don't get to achieve one or the other as you probably may know so I think that that is um testament to you just being what I would call a, a person that is willing to give it a go and try to work to the best standard so hats off to you to become a qualified architect and a qualified chartered builder as well. <laughs>
2: Well, thanks. I mean, one of the things is even, you know, Touchwood 24-3 goes well and I start employing people. One of the things I will put in place is that every single person that joins the company within a three-year period needs to get another accreditation or another degree or another qualification. Because till you're going to come to a point in your um, career and even anyone's age that you're going to struggle to take information in and gain um more experience. So why not do it when you're younger? Why stop at, oh I I became a qualified architect, I'll just stop here. Why not become um, you know, a qualified construction manager? Or my next thing is to look at being a a qualified planner and accredited planner. And that's a difficult cause and to do as well. But it's always trying to do what you can achieve more with and the time frame that you have. Um, I don't want to come to a point every time and go, oh, I wish I did that.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and we also a question from Matched, I hope I pronounced it correctly, from the audience that is asking you, Like, do you prefer um, designing or project managing part?
2: Thanks for the question, Maj. I I know who Maj is. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, do I enjoy project management or design? Um I think I enjoy the project management a bit more um than the designing. Because in the process of project management I normally try to design anyway. <laughs> so Within the project management of what I do, it's more of a design project management, not just a project management of uh, creating Gantt charts and telling people where things go. It's more of a looking at a design or looking at a program and seeing how the design has implications or how we can change the design to meet um, the end goals of the project. Yeah, yeah,
0: I agree. Um, and that's a skill to have, definitely. Um, there's Louise as well that says, I have the same beliefs as Shelley uh, to never stop learning. So yeah, yeah that's look a look very good quality to have. Indeed. <laughs>
1: um, I was, I was sorry? At, l- look Louise. at all the letters after her name. She's exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs>
0: um, sorry, I didn't get that, but
2: no, what we're saying is that after My her internet. name, a lot of creditations after her name, and it's clearly that she's got the same mindset. Oh, yeah. To grow your knowledge. Of yeah, the,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: sure. I might start to steal one of her letters. Um, or yeah. Sorry? I might try to steal some of her letters, see if I can achieve one of those ones.
0: Yeah. You know i'm the i'm the opposite as in like i like to learn but i don't look for i know it sounds stupid but, but you know um so the the essential part is also to just keep learning and ask questions i think that's really what is going to bring you to the right path and like you said Charlie, like you didn't know where it was going to bring you it's just by by learning more and more that it got clearer what you wanted to do i guess um
2: yeah the, the so, whole um, was um i only created it completed it because i was made furlough last year for a few weeks and it was in my mind to do it and then i thought yeah. well i'm furloughed i can't go work anywhere else um so let me try to complete this yeah. so i sat there for a couple of weeks that I was furloughed for working as my normal day or a bit earlier and collected and submitted it. And by the time I started working
0: yeah.
2: in August time, um they said I passed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. And how good. do you feel? Yeah. Did you want to ask the the next question, Adawale? Sorry. I cut you off.
1: Oh no no I I was just saying that was amazing that um he was able to get his MCIOB on furlough
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's either that or just watch TV at home. (laughs)
0: Um how do you feel designers and developers can shorten the bridge between planning and technical?
2: Uh defining the brief it's defining the brief at the start and i think that is where both parties can benefit and at the same time where both parties fall back on um as developers architects might not get the correct brief or it's a very shortened brief of i think humans are very hard to explain what they want and they just think people will understand what they want and give them what's in their head no one's a mind reader at the end of the day and you need to write it down to like to the very last detail uh, and that's what happens architects are great at trying to determine what a client or a developer would want but it's not 100 if the developer is not saying to the architect you know we, we've done our viability we we want X amount of house types um and the quantity of this, they need to be a set number of uh, a giffer. And we need, you know, we're striving towards having a um, kind of a net zero design. If you're not telling those things, the architects will go, Right, you want a master plan. We can create you 15 different house types. um They're going to be double the size that you need, but we'll get you planning. You get planning at the end of it. It's not buildable. It doesn't work for the viability. You're going back into planning again. You're going back into variations. Um, so it it just becomes a conversation to have at the start to be very clear in what the client wants, and at the same time, a designer and architect going, "Let me ask you a bit more question, uh, a few more questions. Is this what you want? Is this what you would want to achieve? What is your end goal at the end of this? Is it to build, or is it to flip this piece of land, or to flip this?" Um, planning application.
1: And just to follow on question to that one, because um, um the, the motivation behind the question when me and Julia discussed it is we found that there's a massive disparity between what you get planning permission for and what you technically build. So you know when yeah. you're doing technical drawings all the way through to as built, if you were to put them side by side with the planning drawings, you'll probably find that there's a massive disparity and it's just a matter of um trying to pick your brains on how do you feel as a company like in in, in obviously 24 four three, you can bridge that gap so if i was a developer and i came to yourself and said you know what shelly i'm getting planning permission and i don't want any ve changes and i want to build it within this envelope i want to understand your thought process for you to get within um, the, to make sure there isn't any VE or any major changes when it gets to technical design. So would you say that that MCIOB accreditation and you working for a construction company allows you to put the design next to the construction side and bring that together? Hence why 24-3 is the best design outfit in the world.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. I should use that as a headline. Um... I guess so. Yeah. I think that is where my role before was quite niche in because of that. And that is the way that I've started to design at the start. And just being honest with the client, um, I made the mistakes at the start when I joined the construction side as the design manager, um, is again, my senior, one of the designs we were looking at, we were trying to make a difference. So I did a corner window. Um, it was great. But then my senior looked at it and went, oh, you architects, how are you going to build that? And that's where it clocked me. I was like, oh. And I don't want to admit it. He was right. At the end of the day, how are we going to build it? And when we came to build it, the most problematic thing ever. Where are we going to put the steel post down? How are you going to carry the brickwork above? How are you going to make the window actually a corner window? It, it, was, it, it was so hard to do. Um, and... It's just learning those things as you go along and then applying it to the start. So when when we started doing a development, we we're just going to planning on one of the uh, projects that I'm consulting with. And again, the architects that we're using created gables, which were really steep and had a corner um, entrance lobby. And I just asked the question, have you done this before? Have you, you know, how are you gonna build this? and the reply i got back was i've taken away the canopy <laughs> because they know the difficulty of building it and the <laughs> roof didn't have to be that steep because the timbers that you'll be using from a traditional 35 to going to 45 you're increasing and which means you're increasing the brickwork you're increasing everything and it's not necessary unless it's a one-off scheme and that's what the client wants and to be distinctive if you're doing a volume building you want to be churning these buildings out and knowing the cost of each individual building and that's what you should do at the start to be like well the client's not going to afford that and we're going to have to go for a variation afterwards so why don't we do something which is still architecturally um, presentable but at the same time buildable and that's where we've gone to you know we've At the start of this whole design, we I dictated to the architects. These are the gifts we want. This is the house types we want. This is the number of units we want. And these are the presidents that we looked at and then almost doing a design review every month, every month and a half where the other consultants interact with the architects, you know, the engineers came on board. They were saying the ground was very, um, it needed a lot of remediation and then we need to put a attenuation tank which affected the master plan yeah so it's having that hindsight of that's going to cause us an issue later on or at what stage does the architect lead the design and what stage does the um engineer jump on and lead the design and at what end point do we go yeah that's a concluded design that we every party is happy with and it gets signed off by the client
1: and 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 you know just just going back to the point that you raised, and I really love your example around the corner window because I had a, a scheme a few a few years ago and it had a corner window as well, and um it was everyone questioned why did you put that in there and and I think this is where quite a few of my concerns and Julia you've heard it too many times before where um architects at times technically sound in my opinion design focused but when you piece those things together sometimes design the design excitement takes over from the technically mind the technical mind that they are and we come up with solutions that um when you get the likes of a builder when they do their design review or their costings they're literally shaving off so much design details because it is it is physically not possible or is either impossible or it's possible at a very inflated build cost so i think that that approach that you said earlier i think is absolutely amazing in my opinion i think um around having being a bit more balanced and challenging design elements to make sure that it is buildable because i always raise that point that if if an architectural firm can think about the problems beforehand you will be celebrated throughout the whole project. And that could potentially win you a lot more business with a lot bigger, a lot more bigger parties. So I think I really like your response to that. And um, maybe I'm I'm taking notes and I'm gonna listen back to this because I think that um, I'll try and forward it to my architect friends as well. Um, So yeah.
2: (laughs) I don't know if you heard the term, which is-
0: We also have questions from the, sorry? sorry we have two questions from the the audience that i really really do want to put on the screen just one second so we have isala who says uh-huh. chevy now um with practices being more in place how do you think developers will react in design terms to these needs if at all? thanks
2: for the ca- question isala um <laughs> In terms of these needs if at all um i think designers need to uh developers need to it's um it's something we've i've looked at definitely on uh housing i think covid is just going to change the way everyone works from commercial office spaces to uh home spaces you know one of the things we looked at when we bought this house was did it have an office because i needed that space and i needed to have that separation between working from home and my home lifestyle and this is definitely something that you know i've looked at in design in terms of starting a design and going forward i think house types will change if you look at house types before you have a separated kitchen a dining room separated and a living room separated how how about now we have an open plan living concept open plan kitchen diner living and that's all because of how people live and people are changing again so you're going to have larger spaces and even additional spaces probably, probably like snugs for families to you know have their kids around and this is another thing that we'll be looking at is putting office spaces and that's actually a requirement nowadays you need to allocate some office space or desk space within um a
0: developable even every housing unit is possible
1: yeah i think that 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 is um a a very good point because i think that um before i left my previous workplace they were very much thinking about this whole concept of how do you incorporate office spaces into residential developments? And I'm sure Shelley, you might have heard about the whole thing around having office spaces in lobby areas of of new build development. So I think the innovation stage of COVID is probably not gonna start happening and we're not gonna start seeing it for at least another two to three years because maybe the planning applications that are being submitted now, they're not going to be built for at least another two years. So the innovation that we're expecting and hoping to see, um, in relation to this that question, I think we should we should start seeing stuff in the next few years. I would say. Um, Bula, you mentioned there was the second question. Um, for um, Shelley.
0: Um, work in both architectural practice and developers. Do you consider developers as the bad guys? <laughs> That's why I was laughing the whole time. <laughs>
2: Oh, wow. um
0: yeah <laughs> it puts you on the spot a little bit but yeah i, I don't
2: know i, I don't see it um, no i don't see the developer being the bad guy i think the developer wants to create something nice but it's just then they're, they're probably not aware of the cost implications or how much things actually cost to achieve so that's why then the architect becomes a bad guy they're like oh no we can't draw it that way we can't design it that way and then when it gets to tender the contract is the bad guy going sorry mr architect and mr client we can't we can't build that for the cost you want it's going to be this much and if you want to stick to your budget then you're going to have to design certain of the features that makes it different out oh, um i don't yeah i don't think anyone's a bad guy uh developers want to build houses at the end of the day um you know there are developers and uh i won't name them which probably are potato stamping just for revenue i'm not really for that Uh, i think where people live and the environment they live still should be decent it should be pleasing it should make you feel like you're at home um not a part of a lego set uh i guess those developers are bad but um the ones i worked with i don't i don't see any of them being the bad guy yeah
1: and 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 i'll probably throw um. into school developers are not bad they're not bad guys <laughs> <laughs>
0: We had also Isala commenting this, but I'm not sure if I understand it. Maybe it's an inside joke that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> we want NIA.
2: I don't know.
1: Anyway. NIA is um, referring to net internal area. I didn't know
2: what that is. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, Adewale, did it? you want to ask the next question?
2: Yes. No, Quickly going to say, Adewale, I think what he means is, as developers, um, on the bad guy's point of view, all developers probably want is the net internal area. They want to know what the net internal area is for their cash flow. That's probably what it is. That
1: is probably the truth. because yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: We we, we always... uh, Because ultimately, I think a lot of us, a lot of people look at the developer as the bad person, not knowing that without the developers astuteness when it comes to these things, um, you won't have schemes to work on, unfortunately. So I think that we are not the bad guys, we are the good guys, but we have to be the bad guys to make things happen.
2: (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tebogo is also from the same, uh, seeing it from the same perspective as well, so yeah. She's learning a lot um, from developers as well. So,
1: no, that's good. So, yeah. Um,
0: so... Did you want to go ahead with the next question?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, so, Shelley, from reviewing your website 24 free, I believe it's it's.co.uk, yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you provide a lot of services from bid submissions, pre construction, architecture, town planning, programming. Clerk of works to contract management. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you feel it is better to mind wide or mind deep? Uh,
2: I think the reason that it's on there is because not every client is after the whole package, they the whole turnkey package can be broken down into few few different things as i've broken down someone told me a very good example of when i was showing them my website was that's your menu and i was like yeah that is my menu if you go to a restaurant you're not going to eat the whole thing you're going to pick what you want and if i don't know or as a person if i don't know what you're offering how can i ask for that yeah. And that is the reason why there's such a variance off there and um, and it's to help the client at the end of the day. The client might not have the experience that we have as a collective, might actually just be a residential client who's just, you know, take an example. It, it might be a farmer that has a large area of farmland and some outbuildings. Don't know actually what, where to start, what, what do they do. Uh, hence why that sequence is there, which takes you from kind of the RIBA stage zero all the way to seven. And that is only the reason that it's cast wide. So whoever visits the website they can go, who oh, actually want that, that, and that, or all, all the whole package.
1: No, that's that's that that is interesting because um as you were speaking, it what came to mind is the traditional role of an architect. And a lot of those services that you are now providing um within 24-3 goes back to the origins of architecture because I think there was a time and you probably learned it more in your university courses where architects used to manage everything um Mm -hmm. outside of obviously land acquisitions but you managed everything so to see that there is a modern practice that's able to provide all of those services I think that's that's that is something I haven't seen as of recent um So, yes, it's it's quite interesting. I think that um, the the main things I'll think about is, are you skilled in every single one of those areas or would you be subcontracting elements of those areas to people within your network or looking to employ people to, to fulfil those services?
2: So I've got a very good support bubble. And that's relationships I've built throughout the years, trust that I've built with people throughout the years. Um. And as an architect, I've always been told that architect is a master of none and knowing of all, but someone like an engineer is knowing of one thing. So I pro I know the fundamentals of probably all of those things, but the in depth of a problem, that i don't know i will go to my support bubble and go can you help me with this because there's a level of an answer i can give you but i'm not 100 on giving you that fully um majority of it yeah i can advise or i can consult with but there are elements of there which i will relay back onto my support bubble, and that's how you collaborate at the end of the day if i can do all of it uh, i won't have any friends or anyone to work with yeah uh, so I like the whole collaboration part of it so you know even if it is the elements that is like bid submissions i can help with certain bid submissions but there might be elements which i don't know and i will go to the people that i know are capable of answering that question
1: you know that that is that is truly um because a lot of people tend to like when they set up their companies they are very much like me i'm a planning and development surveyor and if i was to set up a company it will be um Development appraisals, land acquisitions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, planning permission and what but I am as a development manager connected to everything in that chain and I know everyone in that chain um yeah. through my extensive network. But you have highlighted an area that pe- probably architects and other people should start considering around not only looking at what you can do but what can your network you do and how can you call upon your network to do the things you want to supplement your your business so i think that 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 concept in my opinion is is, is quite interesting and i i really truly wish you all the success with with everything you're doing so yeah that's that's amazing
2: thank you thank you
1: yeah
0: We we carry on on getting a lot of comments. That's why I'm scanning through. <laughs> I'm going to select the right ones. <laughs> um, but a lot of people are agreeing with all the inputs that you guys are giving. Um, yeah, I wanted to jump a little bit uh, onto the next question because we don't have that much time left. Um, what is your understanding of turnkey development solution and why do you think it is vital in today's market? It's a hard question. Yeah.
2: yeah, these are harder questions than I expected. Um, I'll actually go back to the last question that <laughs> um, that was asked of me because it leads me onto this. 24.3 um, was set up as a turnkey solution to go to clients or for clients to come to us um and for the whole consultants and the design process to be managed by 24 3. that is the whole turnkey solution that i'm thinking of um, and that's the experience i've had it's you know from a board member sh- uh, board members having their meetings and going well let's move on to the next stage and working through the architects engineers other consultants other specialists to achieve what their next aspiration is which is a pre-app or a full planning application and in my head i was thinking well if i'm managing this for one person as a company we can manage that for several other clients and it is that's the turnkey solution there so if i get a project There's no way I'm going to be doing the engineering works. However, I will be knowing which engineers to go to, what the brief to set out is and what's a realistic price for the client. If you get few quotes in, you can see fluctuations between what the lowest price is and what the highest price is, but what's the correct price for what you need? The lowest price will be the lowest price because they have eliminated few of their services or not included for so many meetings and then if you want to add a few other meetings on it's another 300 pounds for each meeting and that's how it accumulates so that's the turnkey solution i'll be going to architects 100 percent, getting their quotes in and people i work with and trust and other consultants but my goal at the end is to go to a client who wants to say let's go for a pre-app go these are the consultants i work with um, they will be paid through 24/3. However, you will pay me one fee and I will manage all that for you. And for a client, how good is that? You're not having to set up POs. You're not having to set up different payments. You're not having to manage different consultants. You're coming to one person and then you get one end result every quarterly saying, well, This is the stage we're at. These are the problems we're tackling. This is how we're going to overcome it. This might be an t- additional cost that we might have to for- or foresee, but. We still got it don't worry and that so, is the turnkey solution
1: and and the the, the reason why I, um we met myself and julia because me and julia we we were having to think about this whole concept of turnkey what you've talked about is a turnkey is literally you 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 just you step aside and watch someone else do everything absolutely perfect um but I remember when I was doing, um, when I was working for a housing association and we used to get truly turnkey um, um, services provided. And what what my definition of what I used to think turnkey was, was I would be a, on a client side, a developer would approach me and say Adewale, we wanna purchase, we've got this piece of land and all you need to do is agree that you're gonna buy it from us and then we'll build everything out and then we'll just give you the keys at the end. So I asked that question. Oh, that Julia asked that question to say, is that where you're hoping to work towards? You're providing turnkey solutions from a design point of view and managing everything else in between, from um, planning all the way through to technical and then built as built drawings, hopefully working with a contractor. But then are you now looking to hopefully, with your experience working in development, maybe provide a true turnkey solution where you identify the land? And you try to um, work with housing associations, local authorities um, to um, to provide a truly turnkey solution where um, you'll develop the site and you'll just give them the keys at the end and they'll pay you on a monthly
2: basis. That, that model of the housing association, I know a few people do. But you have to be cash rich to do that. You have to be. You have to start off saying, yeah, we'll build it. Because well, no... Yeah.
0: Sorry. Um, you can. I. I don't know. Connection is good, but um, it, there is possibilities to use crowdfunding as well in those configuration, which allows you not have to invest all the cash by yourself, but um, you get um community investors, so they they help you to um put together the budget to to get it built right um so it's not necessarily that um
1: yeah Julia's.
2: yeah i i've seen that model where it's like a crowdfunding for residential or development but i'm still hesitant on that because i don't fully understand how that model actually works in terms of return and in terms of um the interest and how you'd split the return back into separate parties so if someone was to if the whole pot of 500 and you split between someone giving 10 pounds to someone giving 120 thousand pounds how would you dictate the return on that compared to how you'd get it from a bank um, so
1: I'm, I'm I'm happy to try and answer that question and I'm not um I'm not a financial advisor and this should not be construed as <laughs> <laughs> um generally speaking, I think there's two ways um, that you can effectively get involved in a project or invest in a project if you're um like a, a communal investment scheme, or it's either through fixed investment, which is like a loan from an entity and then you pay them 10% a year or whatever, or you can do a mix, a hybrid of a fixed loan slash um equity investment where you will get a share of the profits. Now Going back to that question that you talked about, about um, the whole turnkey solution for my land and taking that all the way through build, all the way through the handover, and then you're doing everything, literally everything. When you get a, um, a person that's willing to buy the completed units from you right at the beginning, yeah, what what's happening is as soon as they sign a development agreement or an agreement with you, That is enough for you to go to a bank to say, I need you to give me money for me to bankroll maybe the first few months. And then once you get to golden brick, as you you know, you know about the different stages. Once you get to golden brick, then you're then starting to invoice on a monthly basis because the golden brick payments at 30 percent, as you know. And then after that, it's it's like you just you just go for a cash flow. So. Maybe that's something that I can talk to you about. If you just want to understand that loop better, I'm happy to assist with that. But I feel that with your with your expertise, um, we're talking about turnkey, you've got all the expertise, you have all of the um the people around you. Why not go a step further and start looking at land opportunities?
2: <laughs> well, I've gotta walk before I can run <laughs> as a company. So weirdly i had this conversation earlier today with um someone which was it's great concept and the end goal which you asked me originally to where you want to be and what your end goal is is for me to do my own developments of nothing big five to seven units maximum which are bespoke which are not potato stamp developments which are ones that is high in demand And those are the developments I'd love to do. If I get to that point, I can go, I've achieved what I want to achieve. Um, However, setting up a company at this stage, my first instincts for the next couple of months is can I actually get paid for the first few months? I need to get some work in that is either doing master planning, either doing project management or helping clients out with the menu that I've got on the website once that is established i have my clientele i have a few people that's return clients then i can look into exactly what you're saying is you've got the end goal and it, it works very similar to another again another conversation i had earlier today was um investment funds they're looking at buying sites as almost a prs system so they will buy the whole site of you manage it themselves but they hold that equity while renting out those houses. And it's a great model. If if you know, like you said, at the end, there is an end client who will buy everything off you. Yeah, go to the bank and get a loan and let's start it. And the gap they have is the construction bit, which is the bit that I can do, which is the bit I know I can get the collaborative group to do. But unfortunately, at the minute, that's too risky for me.
1: No, thank you so
0: much. Hear me, I... but... Go ahead because I think maybe you don't get me, so
1: no, no, that's all right. Um I, I don't mind asking um the next question. So Shelly, I'm glad that you've expanded on, on your turnkey solutions and um funnily enough, um where I work at the moment. I'm working with a particular architectural firm and they are arguably providing that turnkey solution that you're talking about. And it it does make a massive difference when you have one point of contact. I think um, a bit of advice from, from my perspective as a development manager is if you are providing this turnkey solution that you're talking about, which I know you're very skilled at, I would strongly recommend that you are involved in everything and you are the main point of contact in everything so you know when it comes to that whole chain of command thing you can't have your structure engineer speaking to the client because ultimately it kind of comes across as if you are not in control of what you is your usp so i would strongly recommend that um you know this because you've obviously worked in my world as well put always be on top of your relationships with your clients and Give them a truly turnkey solution.
2: <laughs> um, well, thanks for that because that is honestly the the work that I've done before, it has been that way. Um, yeah. it is every consultant comes to me. Um, yeah. if they are going to the client at the end of the day, either I'm not doing my job properly or there's a problem, yeah, um, or they're not getting paid. That's the other thing that happens normally if they're not getting paid on time. Um, yeah. if finance is not going there, then they will go to the client, however. The client doesn't want to talk to them. They don't have a clue of how to answer them because they've not been involved exactly like you said.
1: No, no, and I think you totally, the reason why I like the fact of what you're saying is you understand exactly what pulls our strings as developers and you understand it from the clients and from the consultancy point of view. So when you bring that together, you should be very, I think that you're going to have a very measured and sensible service that I feel that most people in our industry should appreciate and, and look forward to working with you on so we've got a few more questions before um julia i'm sure julia would like to conclude hopefully fairly soon but the question is you are truly a professional in my opinion you're a qualified architect you're a chartered builder do you feel that other architects should follow suit so whether you get an architect that becomes a qualified surveyor like myself or like yourself that you became a qualified architect and then a chartered builder. Do you feel that most architects should follow suit, in your opinion?
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think that is something architects should dwell a bit further down. It's not, it's, if you're stuck doing the same uh, thing over and over again, or just in the uh, architectural field, you don't get the knowledge of the construction side. Unless, you know, if you look at um projects as architects look at it not all of them start on site some of them finish at you know a feasibility stage for a client or a pre-app or a full plan application. and some architects actually never go to that construction stage so you never get that experience and that's one of the reasons that i left the architectural bit is one of the practices i was at we weren't building anything at the end of the day we were getting to planning and that was it um but how else are you going to grow that experience and knowledge? So I'd say for, yeah, architects, it puts them in a better p- position. If you say to a client, I've worked in the construction field or I've had experience doing that and this on top of my architectural experience, you're better off, aren't
1: you? No, definitely. And, and, and it goes back to that point, you know, when we talked about all the services that you're looking to provide and your detour from wanting to become a car designer all the way through architecture construction etc i think that it is clear to say that um architects that have a varied amount of experience are the best architects and some of the older architects i've found they have very broad experiences so some of them may have been carpenters as an example working on that in their young and then they transition into architecture and then move on So I tend to find that um, it is a very good thing for someone to have a varied experience because it enriches what you can provide to your clients. So, for instance, as a developer, I know that I can speak to you because you're speaking my language. We're not speaking two different languages. Um, So, yeah, I think that very good answer to that question. Um, So, Julia, over to you. We've got two more questions. So uh, over to you.
0: um sh- sure so do architects do architects make good developers in your opinion um is that yeah we had because we discussed so. it before um in the previous session
2: yeah i I'd, I'd say architects do i actually do there are quite a few architects who have become developers or they've dwelled a bit into development um because when architects become developers they're hit with reality they are hit with that design that's in my head is not always achievable for the funds that i have and that does help in terms of development and if we flip it in terms of Adewale now becoming an architect he will be a way better architect now because of his <laughs> development experience because he knows I need to design this space in a certain way for it to be feasible. Like you just said about the office space, you know, as a developer, without any design or architectural background, that is what you need. And that is the end goal that is necessary. So like Asala commented, all you care about is the NIA. If Adewale goes and starts designing, he's going to stick to that internal area that he needs but if an architect designs it he designs it for the architectural aspect of design oh it'll be nice to put i don't know a bay window with a seat in it so that people can look out the window brilliant how are you going to build that bay window in it that's going to be an extra x amount of money for us that's yeah.
1: it no no i i and i like that a lot because um i, I do feel that um you know when we look at architecture and developers, there is, from my observations, there are specific locations where good architecture will get you a premium. But in outer parts of a specific country, good architecture doesn't naturally get you a premium. If that, so I think it's that disparity, but I think very interesting um, points of view and maybe um funnily enough, I do use CAD. I know how to use CAD. Very so good just draw
2: a square and say all right <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> you do, though, because there was a so when i joined a construction firm there was an assistant development manager and she was she's great she's really good at what she does however she she really wants to learn about the architecture and design elements as well yeah so i gave her cad lessons and when a plan came into it she just went automatically on CAD and started to do the layout because she knew what the house types we needed. She knew the square footage that we needed. And then she came and went, Shelly, how about this layout? And to be honest, one of the layouts was what we went with. And that's it's how, that's the knowledge of having of something just a bit more than what, you know, um, like you said, you know how to use CAD. If you have a quick question, you don't always have to go to an architect. And go. Can you move these two units around and see if it fits? You can do that yourself, then.
1: Yeah, no, definitely with with the. Yeah, there of- is
0: many.
2: Now
1: go ahead, Julia.
0: Yeah, there, there is many uh, um, talks about um, developers taking the jobs of architects because there is more and more softwares where you can input like the regulations for that plot in terms of height in terms of um, meter squares that you can have on the ground floor and then generate um, the perfect shape of a tower or of a building um, that that meets the right um, regulations so it's been this before um, if if architects are not trying to diversify themselves a little bit like Shelly, that is trying to look at every single um, parts of the project um, and if architects continue to specialize in very small tasks such as BIM manager or uh, a designer just for the design part and so on then the job of the architect might disappear because in the end like who needs an architect that only does the design or that does only um, the the drawing cad it's it's interesting um,
1: um and, and just just before we move on to the final question um Julia I think there was there is something of what I call a silver bullet for architecture yeah and I would love to see if Shelley agrees with me now we are, as a country, not building enough homes in the UK. We're building way less than our three hundred thousand three hundred thousand target. Yeah, I think we're doing that one fifty two hundred thousand pounds and two hundred thousand units some years, etc. But with MMC um, and um, modular homes, yeah, what is happening now is if if and when that starts to take proper form it will hopefully allow this country to start meeting its housing targets. But then there is a big issue for architecture because if we're saying that you can copy and paste their designs, all of the um, um, what's it, modular contractors designs, and you can literally copy and paste it into different locations and they will just deliver it. Then the question is what happens to the role of an architect? So Shelly, um, this isn't the final question. And maybe, Julia, as as obviously your design focused as well with, with, your, with your training, I would love to hear your views on that. Do you think modular homes could easily take away the role of an architect or at least diminish that role? No. You don't think so? <laughs>
2: no. Only because if you look at modular systems, the client is dictated by what the modular company or the system can provide for you yeah it is very very much like going to ikea and getting an item however if for individual units or clients or something like what i want to do in the future modular doesn't stand a chance because why would i want to be designing something which is repeated a million times somewhere else i i don't want that and modular is great i think its benefit for social housing is where it like shines through you know we're meeting those demands those spaces are being created and even for people who are homeless those spaces can be created very quickly and the build program on a site is rapidly exceeded so then the developer contractor they can all save the money on it however i think mmc at the minute is very very still limited you will only be able to put on the development what they are designed and made
1: so the question is um and this is not about now it's when it actually becomes something so we know we've heard about ikea are considering getting into it in a very serious way um i know that there's parts of scandinavian countries that are very strong on a modular homes and even is it, is it Huff House? You might've heard of them. Yeah. And the amazing concepts. They've obviously turned modular housing into luxurious housing and you, and it's very customizable. So the question then is, um, and maybe you can answer this as to where modular housing can go in the future, maybe 20, 30 years time. Do you feel that it could have a, a massive impact on architecture in the next 30 years? And
2: yeah, in that concept, I think so. And I think, architects will evolve into planners master planners because you still need that aspect of um, a modular Um, but i think going down the paths of architects do need to evolve with the times and get more experience in other um venues and other experiences is what's needed you know having an architect who is a master planner plus um, specializing in MMC or a project manager in the future, they're going to have a job no matter what for the next couple of years, because they're going to be that specialist that knows how to do the master planning for those MMC projects. Yeah. I can't get what you mean though. That is, yeah. I think architects will slowly get reduced, um, and they will become people like PMs and design managers.
1: Yeah, no, no, it's good. I I always thought that's a risk, but I thought I'd ask the question. Julia, what do you think?
0: Um, I'm working with several clients that want to, that are architects and I want to specialize in um, modular architecture, but the motivation is not repetition. The motivation is sustainability. And building faster in order to provide enough homes and enough hospitals uh, at a faster pace, because planning applications and the construction part tend to slow down considerably the projects as opposed to the de- demand. Um, yeah. Now we are moving towards a market where um, clients and developers, one thinks, um, Right now or yesterday, <laughs> um, so uh, I think that the modular can uh, be a solution, and that it might become more than just modular prefabricated, like we had it, like we have it now, and it might become a product, a more of a love and more designed product than it is now. Um, we we have started it because it was fast, because it was simple. Um, we used it for social housing and, you know, for um, emergency uh, um, construction. But I think it can be um, changed into an innovative typology that um, can provide sustainability and also quality of life um, everywhere in the world. So um, I think that's. You know the, and that's also why I I need to go soon. I have a clubhouse room about um, the difference. Uh, should an architect be a generalist or a specialist? Um, and coming up to the guy I said like the role of the architect. If the person doesn't is not willing to be a generalist and is not willing to open. Uh, its mine to other disciplines, um, then my fear is that it's the, the role of the architect will disappear if, it, if we carry on to specialise more and more. So um, that's my little perspective, uh, let's say.
1: No, th- thank you so much, Julia. And, and it's good to hear your perspective and, and your that kind of leads on to your next, your conversation on Clubhouse, which you're going to be starting soon around I I think that that is a a very pleasant transition. But Shelly, I've got one more question for you um, before um, Julia concludes. And it was around, what's your aspirations for your company? So we know you started a few weeks ago. You're very excited and we're all rooting for you. We're very happy that you've done something truly remarkable, but it will be good to understand if you can speak Um, what you see your company being, you started off by earlier in this conversation to say, Anyone that works for your company, you are expecting them to become professionally qualified within the first three years. Those are very bold statements, so you must have very great aspirations for your company. So, do you mind sharing your overall vision for your company over the next five to ten years?
2: Yeah, it's like me saying out my business plan out loud to you, isn't it? Um. The thing about the uh, accreditation thing uh, in the three years isn't isn't for architecture. So what I'd, what I want people to do is whichever age they join me at, if they're an assistant to someone who joins, maybe a potential director, is every three years to self search, not for me to dictate, self search a course or uh, a qualification or accreditation that that benefits them and the company as 24-3 will put money aside to fund that so by that three-year time that person within the company has grown in terms of experience but also in terms of their professional education that is what i want to do it's not almost like you must do this or you're fired that's not it it's just i want to push people who are to be part of 24-3 to keep learning and to keep developing themselves um and that's one thing i'd love to do uh secondly is to be honest that is every conversation i've had with people is to be honest um and i'll be honest to clients if a client comes to me looking at a piece of land or development and in my opinion and from my experience it's not a goer it's not a good um project i will openly say that and i will say look maybe this isn't one for you but happily look at something else i might lose work which is probably what's going to happen but i'd rather be honest and not take a client and blindside them into a planning application to get my fees in and then brush my hands and go sorry didn't forecast that uh you might need to get someone else see you later that's not what i want to do it is to be that client advisory role from start to end and to build those trust relationships um you know i've i don't want the company to grow any bigger than 25 i'd rather keep it uh, a small company in that sense and be a company that you know on a friday we work really hard and i can go guys you know what let's stop at 12 o'clock and just go down to the pub and enjoy something and go away on um you know annual retreats or something like that just so that you develop as a group of people and it's not just a commercially minded business and the places that i've enjoyed working is the places that you have something more than just a commercial aspect it is you're growing friendships you, you know every mentor people that i've got i have been through work as well they they've become um, become my friends which i can go and ask questions outside of work and that's something i think quite a lot of companies miss is there is more to life than work and that needs to be celebrated you know i am trying to be very regimented in the hours i do it, it slips a bit now because i don't have enough time to do everything but i would want to be in a position where if i have to decide between my family my life and my work i will drop my work and that's how i want people at the company to feel like if they've got problems at home or if they need help come and talk with us it doesn't have to be just work related i want to create a small family
1: and and you know um and in conclusion to that i think that is that is truly remarkable because in, in this day and age flexibility is what is going to, because you see that with Google, you've seen it with some of the biggest companies, Goldman Sachs to some degree, they are trying to come up with a very flexible model. And I believe that that is the way of the future. So I really like that you are a visionary in that way. Maybe you can be the first development slash construction company that is truly flexible. So I really, I'm, I'm very glad to hear it. <clears throat> and I, will, I look forward to hearing more. So consider a vlog. This is my third week, I'm stressed out and just keep it. And then maybe you play it back to me in 10 years time when you've done hundreds of videos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, Adewale, you're you're a life savior. I really wanted to get you on here to see another side of the architect slash developer um discussion let's say so um thank you so much for joining i know uh you're super busy but um you're always welcome uh on this live and shelly thank you so much for sharing all your insight i know that some questions were quite difficult but you did great um i think that you managed to give an overview of your philosophy and your company and um uh really uh and inspiration for um, architects that are trying to open their mindset um, to, to different uh, discipline and different things. Um, at the Wallet, where can we find you? Where can people find you?
1: So very quickly, you can see my blog as Julia's kindly put at the bottom. Um, LinkedIn, as you know, at the moment, Instagram, you'll find me on Twitter and also Clubhouse. And yeah, you can find me on most platforms.
0: Thank you. And Shelley, uh, how about you? Where can people contact you?
2: Uh, well, 24.3.co.uk as Judy's port, And if you search for 24.3 consultants on Instagram, um, if you go on the website, all the social media are linked to it. So give a follow and then you'll see what we've got planned for the coming few weeks there's some really exciting stuff um and thanks adewale you are you're very uh, proactive and it makes people strive to do a bit more um you're very encouraging it's really nice to hear um good luck with what your ventures are i'm sure we can work together in the future and help each other out uh and julia for managing all this process you know helping people to achieve what they want to achieve it's a great thing that you did
0: thank you well you can also visit our website uh, the ibt.com um, we uh, teach architects and uh, real estate developers how to um, grow their business and we have a new program that just came up which is a digital business development program and company um, that uh, like Shelly in the future want to sponsor their employees to learn some new skills um, <laughs> reach out to us because uh, with the digital business development um, program we basically teach you all the steps that you need to take um, to be visible online um, do your marketing online and trigger opportunities and and ultimately get clients social media platform. So um, you can just DM me if you're interested. Um, and we are moving now to clubhouse so if you're there and you want to join, please join us. Um, we're gonna have a discussion about uh, should architects be generalist or or um oh man, I forgot my words. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or should they specialize? Um, so <laughs> today my English is rubbish, but um, I've been speaking French all day. Uh, <laughs> but we'll have this discussion. And then uh, next week on Wednesday, we're going to have Kai from Big Architects New York joining us. Um, so definitely don't miss out uh, next Wednesday at 6 p.m. UK time and 7 pm uh amsterdam time uh thank you so much guys and i'll see you next